Welcome back, everybody. This is I Only Date Monsters, where queer theory meets queer thirst. I'm noted monster fucker Luna Stoplings. And I'm a banished monster fucker, uh, Hayden. What did you do? Apparently, I was, I don't know, too prideful or something? We'll get into it. Never. That doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, how are you, Hayden? You know, I'm... I'm making it. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I I think I come on here every week, and um, most of the time I'm like, I'm good, or I'm fine, or sometimes that's a lie. <laughs> but... We, look, that's we all have those days. It's fine. We don't have to always be fine. Yeah. Remember that, kids. You don't have to always be fine. It's fine. I think I just got some of those early winter blues going on. Aww. Um... And, you know, I now have a running joke with my coworkers um, because this is this is only my third winter up north. And apparently last year was mild or something. It was comparatively. Oh, boy. And then my first year, I also just peaced out and visited my family for the week that was the heaviest. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, just like brace for the worst at all times. When it comes to <laughs> when it comes to New England winters, just like assume at some point it will disappoint you with just like <laughs> a, a metric fuck ton of snow. Yeah, well, we'll be outside, and I'll just say it'll be like forty degrees, and I will insist that this is the dead of winter. Forty degrees, sweetie. <laughs> we last night was thirty-eight degrees. I know. It's it was the best. I had my window open and my fan on. The spring's right around the corner. Nope. No. <laughs> nah. We haven't even hit winter yet, technically. Oh, I know. I'm not prepared. <laughs> I know you're not. It's funny. <laughs> uh look. In oh, I forget what year it was. It was some number of years ago when I was working in hotels. It was an incredibly bad snowstorm. In fact, that winter, we received a series of massive snowstorms three days apart for two weeks. Wow. It was heinous. During this time, I worked at a hotel that was attached to a hospital. And that was sort of by design and sort of just how it was built because it was a refurbished building. But okay, this woman called down during this snowstorm. It was like three in the morning. And she was like, there's plows outside my room. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes, ma'am. It's it's uh, We're currently experiencing a very bad snowstorm. And, you know, they need to plow. But I have like a business meeting tomorrow. Oh. oh. Could I send you up some earplugs or something? I know that might be a little bit frustrating. Could you just ask them to stop? Uh, no, ma'am, I cannot. Why not? Because they're plowing the emergency lane for the hospital and that i listened to i listened to her try to struggle to argue with me and i was just like what what fucking skin in this game do you have (laughs) ma'am no if someone gets injured i need to sleep it's oh that's very i mean to be fair i now work in a business 
with a lot of meetings and directly yeah. under some people that go to a lot of meetings, and that is absolutely the mentality. <laughs> I believe me, I have also existed in corporate America. It's terrible. Mm. So anyway, yeah. Uh, it's not winter yet, and I'm very sorry. I'm not dragging you. It's just like, I know that feeling. The first few years I was up here, winter felt terrible, and by now I'm kind of just used to it. So you'll get used to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, that sounds like such a, that sounds like such a suck it up buttercup thing. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's, I'm not saying that the winters here aren't also harsh. Like, we, we who have lived here for a decade, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, friends of mine who have lived here literally their entire lives like they still fucking hate the winters here so it's not like we're just chilling yeah well i apparently haven't had a real proper bostonian winter yet but i gotta say i definitely love the summers much much more that is fair it's nice not to be in in triple degree heat yeah weekly just about I can understand that. I remember living in North Carolina and having just absolutely fucking terrible summers. Yeah. Ah, yes. Why don't you want to go out and play, small indoor child? (laughs) Because it's 115 degrees, you motherfucker. Well, I'm paraphrasing from my entire, like, childhood, but you know. I I think we're probably better than the Midwest, which, based on my limited knowledge and experience seems to get even worse winters and somehow equally bad summers. That's because that's cause the Midwest can't get any of the actual, like, weather patterns from the ocean, so they don't get, they don't get winds and shit. <laughs> like, you have to be next to a, a giant lake for that to happen, which is why Chicago at least has something close to seasons. Yeah. I'm not saying they have exactly seasons, but, you know, close. Something resembling them. Well... <sighs> How how are you doing? Uh, I have been getting stuff done. Nice. Even if it's small stuff. I suppose there's not really much to... There's not much to tell. Um, em- employment is still eluding me, but I'm working on that. Mm. I've been working more on crafts and cleaning up my, cleaning up my space. And not just, like, sort of the physical space... I spent a lot of yesterday reorganizing music files to <laughs> when I made a new computer, I had to download all of my music files again, and whenever I do that, it erases certain parts of the file program. Oh. So, uh, it erases certain ways I label files, and I'm extremely meticulous when it comes to my music files. Mm-hmm. So I've been reorganizing I reorganized them last night, and over the next few days I'm gonna go through and rename them all, which sounds tedious. <laughs> And it is, but it also puts me in a state of Zen that I really enjoy. It's akin to when I worked at a bookstore and we'd be slow so I could just go and reorganize the shelves. Oh, I remember I sort of got that feeling back when I worked at a pharmacy and um, no one ever placed people's bags with like their names and stuff in the correct position. Why? It's so easy. It's literally alphabetical. It's the easiest thing. That's the wildest. That's that is a wild thing you just told me that people didn't know how to fucking organize the bags that have people's names on them. Um. Well, for one of the pharmacies I worked at, it was 
clearly an issue of like we were literally always constantly slammed oh and so you just kind of put it in the general area it's supposed to be in like it's divided by like six letters and if you get it in Mm -hmm. that correct six letter thing then it'll be fine (laughs) right great but in those rare times when there was a slow period i remember just going through and just like going through and getting every single one exactly perfectly correct and it it lasted maybe three days it didn't really do anything but it really helps to put the mind in order it's true i i mean i tend to zone out when doing something organizational because i have put myself in a very good space music or podcasts or whatever and that's nice but Mm. then when you try to organize while also like holding down a full job what the fuck it's so bad yeah it's definitely stymied some of my efforts in recent days i've even like even trying to organize things at a job they i remember i remember times at abcam where i would need to do some sort of organizational process and then i would get people being like can you come help on this and i'm like what why did i block (laughs) off time for this thing why was i told to do this and why have i now carved out time of my own fucking day and now as i'm doing it you're telling me i shouldn't i'm tired of it yeah (sighs) but that's all yeah well i guess on the topic of the coming winter and getting your shit together let's talk about the vavitch you do realize it is stylized like that because w didn't come into typographical processes until later yes i know but also it's fun to say i i guess (laughs) uh who where do you want to start with this one because we could go beat by beat I but but I don't particularly feel like that's the best way to approach this film. I agree. I think sometimes like when we're just gushing over something like hocus pocus, it's very easy to just describe each bit. But this the one witches... it really feel it it feels like it would be more difficult and less interesting to go in a linear fashion because everything ties into everything else in a really weird way mm-hmm. so what i am going to do at least is give a broad is give an overview of, of what happens in this movie so as always spoilers yeah <laughs> the witch framed as a new england folktale which is a very important framing we will talk about later uh is about a family who end up ostracized from their community and sent out to live on the edge of the woods and farm and build a life there. While there, everything goes wrong. Yeah, everything the basically end. goes wrong. It starts with the youngest member of the family, a baby, being being kidnapped. Mm. And from there, what happens is a series of, in any other situation, perhaps un, uninteresting interactions that just continue to stack paranoia on this very tiny family until everything breaks except for thomason 
good old Tom. She, look, she comes out pretty good in this movie, I think. So, effectively, yeah, the, the family descends into paranoid madness over perceived threats and, I mean, to be fair, real threats? To, to be fair, in the context and world of this movie, there actually is a witch fucking with their shit. Uh, I think one of the real big takeaways I got from this was like this is very much a story of how everyone turns against Thomason. Yes. And it's sort of a perfect metaphor for how you could get labeled a witch even in a world where those don't exist. Right. So I think Because events really conspire against her and all of these events could be totally natural things in a different story. Even in situations where Thomason perhaps reacts in ways that are not the most egalitarian, like when she makes, when she teases her uh, little sister by saying she is the witch and whatnot. To be fair, the twins are the worst. Right. So I'm getting to that. (laughs) When she does that, it doesn't come from this place of like, I'm going to be evil to you just because I want to be. It's, it's like, it is the stress of a put upon older sister who just really can't deal with a with their like young siblings as shit anymore right thomason does nothing in this movie that a normal sibling wouldn't do both in terms of teasing her her siblings but also caring for them yeah she... uh, i mean like she cares for her little brother or like for her brother a lot and tries her best to make sure when he is upset that he feels okay (laughs) yeah you can there's definitely a family dynamic in this movie well for starters thomason is sort of uh singled out by the mom um because she was there when the baby disappeared which i want to talk about in a minute but for now just that seems to be part of the inciting reason for why the mom fucking despises her daughter yeah like but also it really seems like there is this relationship the mom has with the twins where and this is possibly because twins are uncommon or because they're the youngest now after the baby but she really spoils them a little bit and always takes their side yeah and like pits thomason against them even the twins are an interesting set of characters, and this gets into a much bigger idea about this movie and how it should be, not should, how I think it is most affectatious to read it. Mm-hmm. But let's talk a bit about the inciting incident, because that's at least important. <laughs> I love this scene. So, so Thomason is just sitting there playing peekaboo with the baby at the edge of the woods which is frankly an adorable uh you know big sister to infant thing to do right yes absolutely she is doing what you would do if you were babysitting a baby like there is nothing about what thomason does in the first bit of this film that makes her the kind of person that should get the ridicule she gets right and and she covers her face to do peekaboo one more time removes her hands and the baby is just gone 
it's a really surprising scene and she looks up and she just sees like the grass move in a few different directions and like the branches move in different directions that seems to indicate something invisible is running away with the baby Mm -hmm. um but both the first time and this viewing the only image in my head was that she covered her eyes and the baby somehow spontaneously developed the ability to sprint and just took off (laughs) and that was just the image in my mind and it maybe ruined the the mood of the moment a little bit but yeah you 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 seem to have viewed this movie from a much more comical angle than i did it wasn't intentional that's just what jumped into my head there um but no of course it was the vavitch right (laughs) i'm gonna just every time you say that from now on i'm gonna say daddy yeah no i'm saying this because you say daddy so this is my revenge (laughs) Yeah, at least... Mm. Mm. You know what? Fucking fine. <laughs> Anyways, you, you were going to say about this scene. So a thing I want to say about this scene, and a thing I want to say about this movie in general, right. and why I want to come back to that idea of it being a folk tale, uh-huh. is I think it is irresponsible to read any action in this movie as the superficial action that it is. And I don't mean in the sense of like, oh, it's a metaphor. Uh, I mean, it is, but not in that sort of way. I don't. I bring this up because I think it's very easy to read, even though the the baby is not Thomason's. It's her mother's. right? Right. It is very easy to read this scene if you're just doing a, a, a pat YouTube analysis of it as some sort of stand in for abortion or miscarriage Mm. Uh, specifically in the fact that some people treat Thomason with kindness afterwards, like her brother. And then some of some people treat her with less kindness because they think she's soiled or something. Right. There's what I, what I think is more imperative Mm -hmm. to read in these scenes, especially the ones revolving around Thomason being alone and then having to prove whatever happened is just that. This is very keenly a movie about the lengths women have to go through to just get people to fucking believe them. Oh, yeah. And everyone and the in fact this family that, throws Thomason under the bus. Basically everyone. Like, the the brother, a little less so, but... Mm-hmm. And right, it's it's... And I guess the baby didn't, but... <laughs> right, but the baby, you know, whatever, bit part. I mean, the baby kind of did by getting snatched while under her protection, I guess. Yeah, if but you that's... want to make that again, argument. The baby's not... That's not the baby's fault. But again, we have this scene where the baby is snatched, but neither Thomason nor us... Well, at least at, the, at that very moment, neither Thomason nor us see who snatches the baby. Right. Of course, later we do. Mm-hmm. Because it is the witch. Yes. And and she's making a delicious baby paste. Yeah. That's the other thing, too, right? Is I don't want this. The reason this is worth reading as a folktale. Right. Is that. Yes, this is a feminist story. This is a story about uh, the struggle for women to be understood and to be uh 
to be seen as telling the truth. Right. But at the same time, the witches that we see aren't doing, quote-unquote, good things. And I think it is worth framing that in a different way. Because, again, if you take it on the surface level, it, it, it can it can seem like there's no heroes in this movie. Yes. <laughs> but I think when we have witches doing very direct physical actions we should still read them as a metaphor of thomason becoming more independent and that having an effect on her on her family good or bad uh, a lot of this comes down to well she is seen as the locus for inviting problems into the house right Yes, there's there's a whole subplot throughout the movie as well where the mom especially is trying to get rid of her because she's gotten her period. So now she's old enough to be married off. Yep. Which is, um, wow. <laughs> uh, you know, the seven, the 1600s or whatever. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, and there's, she gets a lot of shit for doing things that are sometimes neutral and sometimes, like, bad but not unforgivable. But she also right. gets shit for doing the right thing. Like, she can do no right in this household, it seems like. Oh, right. Okay, so. Here's my main thing I want to talk about. Right. Fucking Will, the father. Will needs a lot of help and to leave. <laughs> Will did leave. That's the problem. Well, right, because Black Phillip got rid of him. Uh, no, I, I do love the the very very opening scene, which is just Will. Like we don't know exactly why this family has been banished. There's some. <laughs> there's some allusions to it, um, like mostly religious differences. It seems, mm, but the so the opening scene is just Will railing against the judges of this plantation and then being like dude we're the judges <laughs> sit back and chill i more than that it is framed very clearly from the beginning of this film but the only reason they left the plantation is will's own fucking hubris yes because it's not framed as you did something wrong and we have to banish you it is an argument that the dad is having with these judges, the fucking counsel for this plantation. And everything from there is set in motion because he can't just fucking suck it up and live in a place that's actually going to be good for his family. And good, quote unquote. Well, less dangerous, at least. Right. Like, I, I didn't want to say good as like a blanket qualifier for a period of time where women were still you know, seen as a minority class and whatever. There's not really a good option here. There isn't, but it is the safer and, you know, food-having option. <laughs> yeah, he literally leaves on, like... He basically says, you'll miss me when I'm gone, and then marches his family out into the wilderness. Narrator, we didn't miss him. <laughs> right, so... Okay. Okay. So I've, I read a lot of stuff about okay. this father, right? 
it is it is interesting in this film that the father after the opening scene is the only adult male in the entire film that's true aside from perhaps we could argue the very small scenes where we have a human black philip i uh, mean but even then mm, debatable yeah so what we see is the father instilling a series of toxic individualist and masculine ideas into the area in and around his family. Uh, he teaches his son to lie. Mm-hmm. He also teaches his son to hide things from the women of the family, specifically the mother. Yeah. He... Li- <sighs> Some ruminating on how babies go to hell. He doesn't just lie to his wife. He, out from under her, takes and barters one of her, like, prized possessions. Something from her father. So, like, a family heirloom. And she even says, like, it's not out of, it's not out of vanity I want it. Like, that's my father's thing, and it makes me think of my family, and we're living in the middle of fucking nowhere, and you've done this to us. And it's, it's made reference many times that they came here from England and now we're doing this and it doesn't sound like they came over from England under duress yeah i i was wondering a little bit about why they would even choose to come here but it also seems like that comes down to pride it really seems like this is the kind of man who would hear about the uh the colonies and stuff and like want to go start a new life to show how good he is and how cool Dude, he can be. You absolutely know that if this this story was set in modern day, he'd want his family to live in a fucking tiny house or something. Yeah. He he'd be fucking off the grid or something. I don't know. There's something to be said for this movie framing a lot of the villainy as both the tangible and intangible ways that toxic masculinity and the differentiation of power via sex uh, infects things both physically and non-physically yes because there's the obvious ones like him teaching his son how to lie and especially teaching his son how to lie in periods of time where it probably would be better to just assuage the fears then like every time the father actually has to own up to something it's after the fact it's after it matters yeah it's well after the fact uh thomason gives a really good speech to him actually yes um oh my god right after the um the eldest brother has died yes and everyone believes that she's a witch and the the twins are being assholes and they're like getting hyped up on the situation and pretending they can't do stuff to blame it on thomason I mean, that was my read. That's not necessarily... Oh, like... no, that's exactly what it is. Uh, but but yeah, she has this fantastic speech to her father where she's like, you, you took the silver cup and you lied about it and you let me take shit for that. And mm-hmm. you dragged us all out here and that's your own goddamn pride. Yeah, she finally like, releases. And, and you can't... You can't farm, you can't hunt. The only thing you can do is chop wood, which is a great line because you just 
throughout this film, you see series, like, scenes of the father getting stressed, and he goes outside, and he's just chopping wood. And at the very end, Black Phillip, the goat, I don't know if we've said that specifically yet, gores him with his horn, and then rams him into a massive fucking wood pile that all collapses down on the father. Right. And it's it's interesting because it's not as if they wouldn't need that wood. I mean, we only see fire burning once or twice in this film. Right. But, you know, they you would need, need that, especially for, for the winter. winter. Absolutely. And for construction. Absolutely. Uh, but the fact that we never see him doing any other farming or working... And he won't even tell his wife that that he has to go hunt food. The fucking... <sighs> this sort of inability to access feelings and admit when one is wrong. And the fact that when he finally does, it's to no one. He finally has a moment of weakness when he's chopping wood. Where he just starts howling about his pride. But he can't say that to his wife or his daughter, or the twins, or anyone else. Now, the daughter, uh, Thomason, and the twins here, because they are boarded up in the barn at this point, but... Because they're all accused of being witches. Right. I also do really love <laughs> the scene after the, all three of them get boarded up into the into the goat pen, and there's this really quiet scene where it's just like, are you a witch? Are you a witch? <laughs> Just like, ah, oh, shit, we really let this go a bit too far, didn't we? Yeah. That... Except, except, except here's the best part. The twins never deny their witches. <laughs> but Thomason does. Yes. Thomason uh, only becomes a witch at the end, which I have thoughts on. <laughs> I have thoughts on as well, and most of them are positive. <laughs> but... It is interesting that they made sure to put twins in here. And this is where I want to circle back to the folktale thing. Yes. But I would like to leave room for you to say something, say anything you'd like to bring up first before I talk about that. Well, I just... This really sort of ties together an, the idea that I was I was thinking of. That is how, how easy it was for all three of those characters to get boarded up in the shed outside accused of being witches mm -hmm. when one we we know is not a witch and two we're probably just assholes yes but it's this series of events where like weird ominous things are happening around the farm and then especially during the uh the scene where the the eldest brother dies i said eldest brother he's like 12 caleb caleb yes we haven't said his name that's all yeah, no, I didn't remember it. That's why. <laughs> um, but the twins are... Uh, basically, they're acting hysterical because it's a hysterical situation. But we have also, we have also made it known yeah. throughout the entire film that these are two kids that are at an age where... There is an age when you're growing up where all you really know how to do is mimic what you're seeing. Because that's yes. how you learn. Exactly. And so the twins are young. I would say maybe five. Okay. Like I, five or six. I do want to establish, I keep calling them assholes. They are young children. They don't know any better. <laughs> right. That's the thing. They are, they are annoying, 
but they are not doing anything. They're I... doing things that normal kids that age would probably do, which is what makes it so terrifying that their actions are what end up like forcing Thomason in this corner. Yes. And like, sure. At one point, Thomason does throw them under the bus, but it is at a point where she is basically being told that she needs to confess that she's a witch or she's going to die. And if she doesn't confess, she's also going to die. And also it's, noteworthy that during that scene she doesn't lie either no no she says which, that they whisper to black philip all the time which they fucking do when they sing all these songs about black philip uh and it's and mercy ba- said she was a witch yes mercy shows up and says it but again it's it's clearly a kid playing yes though it's interesting that technically the first person to say the word witch is her mm-hmm. no one assumes it's a witch before mercy but mercy's a kid like like literally a kid that does not yet mercy and jacob the twins are at an age where as i said they're mimicking and what that also means is they just understand that x gets y reaction right but don't understand the reason why x gets y reaction and so longer term implications of it Exactly. And so I I don't want to blame the twins either because they're also, again, not getting the sort of attention they need because when when you are used to living with the with, with the safety of community and then you are suddenly thrust out into a space you don't know how to survive in in the same way. It is. It is very easy to let certain things that would be important and easy to do in more controlled environments, it's easy to let them slip. Yes. And one of those is paying attention to your children. Right. And I'm not saying that people of this era were, quote unquote, perfect parents any more than there are perfect parents now. But it is very clear that these twins are kind of left to their own devices. Yeah. A lot. Especially after the... Uh the baby disappears because Mm -hmm. the mom just the mom and dad both take on i would say pretty natural and acceptable grief patterns yes in in the loss of a child which is like yeah i don't separates herself and the dad Mm -hmm. the dad tries to go out and be active in any way that he can find yep but and yeah, like you're not the, in a situation where you have that luxury, as cool mm-hmm. as that is to say. Right. And again, you're in the situation. Literally, the dad could take the minute the child was stolen, they should have been on a wagon back to the colony. Like yes. it is it is an unfortunate situation that Thomason has to go through and that everyone else has to go through with the baby sibling being taken not fun literally not fun (laughs) but that should be like oh we have to leave here because there is a time skip between when they go out there and when the movie actually like when the real bulk of the film takes place i would say at least a month or two right for them to build the farm plant things and grow them so i say a month or two it could have been an entire summer 
But either way, they have been out there long enough that they've established. But they've not been out there long enough that they could not just cut and run. Yeah. So, I want to talk about the folklore aspect of this film. Okay, hit me with it. It is important to think of this film in in the framing that it gives us, which is folklore. Right. Because one of the big tenets of folklore is that characters are archetypes. Yes. And not meant to be seen as individuals in the way that we sort of see individuals in certain other storytelling styles, especially in films, where films are very much meant to be incredibly representational. Right. So the reason why the folklore framing is so important is that it does a disservice to the final product if you try to think of these characters as... If you try to take the actions of this movie on an individual level, both the witches and most of the family except for Thomason don't come out looking great either way. Because, I mean... Right. The witches do do some some baby kidnapping and killing. Also, one very booby witch does make out with a twelve year old, which is uh, yeah the the stuff around the twelve year old. The stuff around Caleb's like sexual awakening is interesting, and I do not have time to get into it. Like I have <laughs> some incredibly. Mm, I don't I think I wrote down at some point whether we needed the shots of him looking at his sister's tits. Yeah. But I I I get what they were going for, especially in an isolated situation, but like ugh, I'm not like, I I understand where they were going and like the what they are doing makes sense. I didn't love it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, mean, I feel I feel like it's I could have a horror film. It is supposed to make you uncomfortable on some level, but yeah, it's it's like a small thing where I just feel like a different framing. You could still have Caleb get bewitched by the witch in the woods, just like it could have been a pie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, here it is. It is more effective to think of the witches. And the idea of witchcraft, not as the individuals doing things, but as the dichotomy between <laughs> the dichotomy between what a woman is supposed to do within society and what a woman can choose to do if she decides to leave a very stringent society. Yeah. And it uses extremes on purpose, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think any of us are going to advocate for grinding up a baby sorry that happens <laughs> apparently it's a great skincare regimen the one thing i really want to uh champion this film for is not deciding to lean into scenes where they could have just shown some really disgusting shit because it would have been very easy for them to show some real baby mutilation and it wouldn't have been cute but like horror movies right right but this movie knows how to use cuts in the right way. Because, mm -hmm. again, like we do cuts like when the baby disappears. It is a peekaboo game, and we're mimicking the peekaboo game, and then boom, it's gone. 
Right. Um, or there's a scene where Thomason is picking eggs out of a coop and one drops and she turns and looks at it and it has like a fetus of a chicken in it. But it's not like grotesque. It's just like there for a couple seconds. Yeah, this film is very much more on building its sort of uh, its mood and its environment than using any kind of jump scare to get to you. Yeah, like I, there were one or two scenes where I, since it had been a bit since I've seen the film, I was worried I was about to see some, like the one really shocking scene. There's not really any shocking, like there's, there's nothing in this film that made me want to turn it off as far as like a visual. Right. Which is nice. It's nice to know that <laughs> it is nice to see horror that doesn't need to just go with the body horror, even though I love me some body horror. It, it It is empowering to see a horror film that just really opens the valve of tension <laughs> to, to, to all the way. Full steam ahead with this tension. But so to look at the witches as physical manifestation, physical people or to consider the, the, to consider the witches as uh merely what they are when we see them is is sort of not the point and instead the witches don't really represent per se an evil thing so much as an antithetical way of living which yes. this is where the other part of the folklore framing is important is the movie asks us to both, in our brains, hold modern ideas, and I say modern, we should have always been treating women like this, but modern ideas of listening to and understanding women with the framework that people in this time period would be working it in when it comes to things like women who are not part of society quote unquote and people women who stand up for themselves and women who are their own economies effectively right it is and that's why i say this because it's like if we just read the witches as people who steal babies and seduce children that's a bad read yeah <laughs> that's a, that's a real that. that's a real bad look but what we see instead are witches conceptually being people who have a different structure for life. And what's more are there to question the ideas put forth by the father. Right. Uh, uh, not to skip right to the end, but no, go ahead. Yeah. The, the father, as, as you've already laid out, the father is very individualistic. He's very proud. And you see you see a lot of scenes of him not... I don't want to say not wanting good things, because that's not exactly it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also not quite just that he wants to earn good things. It's that he entirely takes his value from what he is able to achieve, which is far less than he thinks it is yes and to that end he is depriving his family of sometimes necessary things but also sometimes less necessary things that can still be good or important in some way like well the, even that he's cop. he is also helping to deny his family 
security, mm-hmm. which I want to be very clear here. Nothing is more villainous in this mo- in this movie to me than the father's denial of other people's comfort and other people's security. It is the mo- it is the most vicious thing in this film because while we set up the idea of the woods and the witches, God. While we set up the ideas of the wood and the witches as bad, mm-hmm. they are they seem to only be bad because they have been encroached upon. Uh, and I don't I know that well, sounds like really weird because I because of how the the witches res- like the witches as a group respond to these new people, but like it if they had stayed where they were, if they did not try to push themselves in somewhere where they didn't have any idea or skill on how to survive then maybe they wouldn't have a broken family (laughs) quite literally in many cases but yeah the the father's like vicious deprivation of comfort Mm -hmm. is contrasted by what black philip offers thomason at the very end like I made, I made fun of it a little last week, but would you like to live deliciously is, is a line. Yeah. Like, but, but he's also like, would yes. you like a pretty dress? Would you like to see the world? Would and also you like these comforts and this happiness. And, and one could maybe argue whether or not a character that is in fact the devil in the 1600s can be framed as a good character. Um, Especially when we are working from the framework of people of the 1600s, right? That is the one thing is it, this movie does ask you to at least understand the cultural fears in place, not to apologize for them, but so that way you can, uh, that way you know what the stakes are specifically for this family. Right. Uh, But like, Hey, Satan asked for consent. <laughs> like, legit, Satan asked, do you want this? If you do, you have to, like, give enthusiastic consent with the book and shit. Because she says yes, like, four times, and the only thing she denies is the fact that she can't sign her own name. Right. Because, because you know... Because women weren't allowed to read and write. Yes. But, you know, there are there are reads that are probably less less lenient on that on that right and i think they're legit i think there is something about nudity in this film that is interesting yeah they certainly don't shy away from it well not just that like what 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 it is representing and i'm not entirely sure i know what that is after a couple viewings just yet i'd have to watch it more and really think about it but you know it's the idea that nudity is sort of being pure is the wrong word but sort of being unfettered uh, and accepting something new because uh, all the witches are seen all the witches are naked except for the one time where Caleb gets bewitched right um, but it's it is a man it is a movie that I even even after just the first watching years ago I think about it a lot because it really does get at that feeling of like, what is it like 
as any person who is marginalized, this is about women, but I think there are easy interpretations to queer and other things. Yes. God, I hate to say queer and other things. Uh, I don't <laughs> want. I don't want to speak for people of color, uh, especially in a very white movie for the setting. Uh, but especially for queer folks, just not being believed when we say things like "Hey, I'm gay," and people say it's a phase. Or people claim that it's going to be bad for you. Yeah. Uh, right. Religion. And I have I have not said much about the religion in this film because, honestly, I don't see it as a film about religion's problems. There's a lot going on with the religion in this movie. And it's, I mean, it's very present. It's very mm-hmm. deliberately present. And that is partially a... Um, that's partially just because of the setting because in this time in this place if you're these people you are christian Mm -hmm. which again is why it's asking us to interact with the fears that they have on a very direct level i actually oh i wanted to sorry no go ahead well this is a bit of a diversion but i made special note of one of the prayers thomason says early on Mm-hmm. Um, oh, is it her I, first? Is it her first time speaking? It's it's the one where she had fun on a Sunday and then yes, thought bad things. Yes, but she she has the line, "I have broken every one of thy commandments in thought." I just it you don't. She wants mind. to murder I the just, twins. I I just would like to read through the Ten Commandments. And, mm-hmm. and contemplate how how she has broken these. So, first is, I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not have any any false gods before me. So, she has contemplated that other religions exist. Yes. That's a sin. Or, yeah, I mean, like, I think she has contemplated other other religions exist. But who knows if that's just, like just being told that another one exists right i mean maybe it's tedious to go through all of these um you know well, thou shalt like, not kill honor thy father and mother the ones i really want to point out that thomason has apparently thought about mm-hmm. thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt not co- covet thy neighbor's wife <laughs> thy neighbor's wife is actually the specific language in that commandment yes <laughs> So Thomason has been around here coveting some of the wives of that uh that plantation they originally came from. I mean, there is it is it is interesting and questionable. Nothing in this movie actually angles towards any sort of sexuality element, like in the sense of it, all these characters could be asexual. It really doesn't matter, right? Um because it is so <laughs> it is so much more about the 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 broader ways that people are not believed but at the same yes. time it is culturally witches are very queer and it's very yes. hard to not read witches as queer but yeah just that's one of the things that's always been in the religious aspect of things is is how sinful thoughts are sin yes which is an interesting like, we don't have time to go all the way into that take. 
No, we don't. This would be a five-hour podcast if we talked about everything <laughs> about this film, which is why I'm trying to keep it within the realm of, like, marginalized people. But, like, yes, I agree with you 100%, and that is not me saying that you shouldn't take it there. Uh, just, like, but yeah. It's, it's it's a very humanizing moment from Thomason, who is... Again, it is funny to say that she's... Uh, broken all of the commandments in thought because that's some wildly specific shit but (laughs) also like it's such a it's such a weird thing i have thought about bad things oh fucking well like (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how people in this era of any sort i don't know how they fucking survived i have largely i have i have thoughts that would make jesus cry on the daily Okay, like I consider it a point of pride. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's just. I'm not saying that it's wrong for her to like not feel good about it, but mm. no, I. <laughs> that's just living, Thomasin. <laughs> but it is it is fun to see her transition from from that point where she she literally has a line where she's like. Oh God! I know I belong in hell. I played on Sunday, right? Like that's that's basically what she says. And then at the end of this, she's she's listening to to Black Philip like offer to be her sugar daddy, basically. Well, and again, it's because we also see that the power of witchcraft is mm. used here also as a metaphor for just not being beholden to the standards of society as written. Right. And well, shit, she has been nothing but uh, failed by society. Thoroughly and repeatedly. Uh, And in fact, the only people that didn't fail her and wanted to help her were also failed by society, like her brother, Caleb. Right. Caleb thinking that he had to embody the same toxic masculine aspects that his father has got him killed it's not thomason's fault it's i yeah sure he could have made better decisions and yeah she could have been like no don't do that but she didn't want to get fucking tossed off to some other family to be i'm guessing a fucking endangered servant caleb rides off he steals the father's horse and goes into the woods and thomason makes him bring her along to try and do the hunting and trapping that the father had previously shown him because he thinks that's what it is to be a man. Yep. But also well, he's doing it because he's trying to keep Thomason from getting sent off to another family against her will. Mm-hmm. Well, also in the fact that he has to do it in secret because his father taught him to do it in secret because there was some sort of shame attached to feeding your family. Yeah. This... I, the, I'm sorry, the villain, the villain of this movie is still the father to me, and it will always be. <laughs> uh, I know that we have the witches doing some visually bad things, but I see it more as here is the temptation of not living by the standards that the world has given you. Uh, not saying that that's what's being afforded to the baby, but like, yeah, here is this, quote unquote, this infection, this evil, when a lot of it manifests more the evil really manifests in what happens to thomason and how much she is not believed mm. uh and much 
much like in real life sometimes, the parents are the villain of this story. Oh, man. Okay. So, also, uh, I don't even know if what I wrote here is great, but I'm going to read it verbatim. Or I'm going to start reading it verbatim. Thomason killing her mother is still one of the most aching scenes in a horror movie in the past few years. It is a small killing. It is, in fact, the only killing that a human does to another, like, that the family member does to another. Yes. And it is entirely out of protection. Like, Thomason has to... Thomason has to kill her mother to not die herself. And holy shit, when she is trying to just get her mom to stop and it's just going, I love you, I love you, is so hard to watch. On purpose, right? Because here is someone yeah. who Thomason literally wants to not have to do this with. Like, I think by the end of the film, Thomason and her father would never have reconciled to begin with. I think there's too much stuff that has gone on there, and he too easily believed she was a witch and also threw her under the bus too many times. Yeah, but he Thomas threw her under the bus a lot. Oh, yeah. But Thomason does not actually hold ill will towards her mother, and the mother has a, an honestly pretty reasonable mental break after having lost a lot of her kids Yeah, in a period of time where kids meant you could survive not just like ah oh, i'll like have of i'll have lineage it's like oh no the kids are gonna help us like get food and stuff <laughs> there's also a line in the film that mentions how they've never lost a kid which for <gasps> this time period is really impressive uh i want to talk about that line because here's the thing will the husband says that to his wife while she is still grieving over their lost child (laughs) over their lost baby it is the most insensitive fucking thing again men are shit straight men are shit straight men are shit straight men are shit (laughs) gonna put that on my gravestone here lies lunastopheles straight men are shit (laughs) but yeah like it's interesting the Witch came out at a time for horror where we were just starting to get our feet back on what was good horror again. Right. The Witch came out pre-Get Out, which I think, well, Get Out was not the first in the sort of new thoughtful horror wave. It was the first really big one. It feels like kind of a turning point. It absolutely is. I'm. It's just, it really does feel like we're in sort of a a rebirth of good horror for the first time in a long time. Well, because we have people using horror not just merely to scare, but instead to angle certain aspects of the world back onto itself. Not as a mirror, because the mirror is the most superficial way to uh, critique anything or view anything. But by taking very specific aspects and filtering them through basically turning light into a laser when it comes to (laughs) what we're talking about i mean we've talked before about midsummer but the witch and midsummer have a lot of things that are that they share a lot of blood yes quite literally sometimes yes i think i was actually thinking of midsummer while watching this and like there are some things about this film that really 
like you can see in the DNA of Midsummer. Mm-hmm. And not like, in a way where like Ari Aster watched the witch and went, I'm going to do that, but different. But in the sense yeah, that I don't think it was intentional, but I can see where some of the same ideas came from. Right. I think, I think it is just, they are both tackling some very specific aspects of what it means to be a woman, but even more just kind of what it means to exist in a society that doesn't believe you by just who you are. Right. And it, it, it is akin to all the problems of this movie aside. It is akin to how, when Zootopia decides to tackle ideas of bigotry, it does so within its own framework versus merely being a one-to-one sort of, uh, recapitulation of bigotry in the human world and so in the witch a folklore a a new england folk tale Mm -hmm. it is not so much the uh, well this is how bigotry happens now it's like no this is how people get not believed then (laughs) now it's for stuff like sexual assault and back then it was for being a witch and at the end of the day a lot of that was still used just to shut women and people that the community didn't want to be vocal. It was just used to shut them up. Right. Uh, which I know preaching to the choir here, but, <laughs> but still like, this is, this is what this film gets at in a way that I really love and why I think it's why I'm glad it exists and why I look at it so much as one of the early harbingers of the new horror revolution, because it was so focused on the horror being about interpersonal relationships and what we usually consider to be the quote unquote horrific aspect. The witches in this movie, much like other uh, recent horror films is big bads are not really meant to be seen as the actual horror, they are meant to be seen as the manifestation of something else. It is horror as metaphor. Yes. Uh, it is not unlike a movie I'm sure we will talk about at one point because it is now gay canon. Uh, like, the Babadook is about grief. The, oh, hor- yeah. the horror is grief. It is not the Babadook. We should definitely talk about that at some point. We will. I, we, ha- we have to. I add mean, it like, to the ever-growing list. Yeah, I know. But... Again, I also just remembered uh, Get Out and Us, which we should talk about. Yeah, we're going to have to do, like, w- at some point we'll have to do a whole thing of, of modern horror just to, like, talk about what's been going on there for the past couple of years. Yeah. Because It Follows has to go in there, too. Uh, yeah. And some- a couple others. And also, s- a small thing I didn't mention, The Witch was also put out by A24, so, like, fucking just... Keep an eye on A24 as a production house. They seem to be very intentional with what they what they let get through. They aren't just doing horror, but like the horror they let through is some of the best horror that we've seen coming out in a long time. Yeah. Uh, Strong agree. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? I don't have anything else for The Witch. But yeah, end of the day which is a good film about how you should fucking listen to your listen to everyone else, men (laughs) just fucking listen. The horror is not listening. Yes. So Lou, 
Yes. What's next week on the gay agenda? Well, next week is a movie that I actually watch every year in October. Ooh. It is one of my favorite. Mm, I, I would hate to call it a scary movie, but it's one of my favorite. We're uh, watching scary movie next week? God, no. <laughs> I would fucking never subject you to that. No, uh, it's not a movie that is scary, but it has a lot of trappings of horror and also mm-hmm. has, I think, one of the strongest strongest visual representations of a modern witch. And that is the 19, I believe, 1990 film Death Becomes Her, starring Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn, and Bruce Willis as a nerd. You know what? It's it's nice to see him not getting typecast, I guess. Yeah, so this, man, I don't want to give too much away, but this film is a real-life slapstick, um, a real-life slapstick cartoon. Oh, <laughs> excellent. And has some of my favorite moments of physical comedy in filmmaking and posits a very interesting question. What happens... When yes. immortality does not come with imperviousness. Oh, well, uh, it sounds like we'll be finishing Queer Lust Month off strong. Yes. Uh, man, if nothing else, next week I'm going to talk for... You're going to have to stop me from talking for 20 straight minutes about Isabella Rosalini. And you will understand why when you watch this film. Okay. Because <laughs> you will probably also want to talk for 20 minutes about Isabella Rossellini in this film. Uh, I am ready for Isabella Rossellini. Fantastic. And if you would like to talk about Isabella Rossellini with us, <laughs> or anything else for that matter, you can reach us on the social medias, either over on Twitter, at IODM Podcast, or you can reach us on Mastodon at IOnlyDateMonsters at MonsterPit.net. If you want to reach me directly you can find me either on twitter or on the mastodon server snoutset online at lunastopheles and if you want to reach me directly um i of course man our email the i only date monsters at gmail.com mm-hmm. or you can uh write a letter in a sealed envelope place it under the third rock you see and just wait I'll find it. Do you think at some I'll... point, do you, are you worried at some point that Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner are going to show up and tell you that you can't be that spooky with how to find <laughs> us? Because that's how they do it in every episode of Night Vale. Look, I... We're going to go see them tonight, and I feel like they're going to look at you directly and go, Hayden, you can't keep doing that. I'm ready for that. I am, I'm prepared to make my case before the live studio audience at definitely not our podcast. <laughs> yeah i think that's that's all we've got that's that's about that's yeah and if you want to rate or review that us um on however you listen to this podcast we would love that absolutely itunes is usually the best place to rate and review podcasts supposedly it's showing up in the apple podcast feeds but for some reason episodes aren't showing up the way they should on the iTunes page, so uh, if you have problems, tweet us as usual or or masto us. Like, 
we're, we're only two to log in for literally three days now so i don't know what's going on with that i don't know because again we'll work it out we got no complaints from anyone <laughs> and you know even if we got complaints i feel like all they would all they would say is uh witches ain't shit Mastodon at I only date pot. I only date I podcasts. Only date podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 the mashup between this and I only listen to the Mountain Goats. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's your fucking tag.